Hello and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts, Five Questions on the Implications of Brexit for the European Union. My name is Sophia Besch and this week I will be joined by Ian Bond, Director of Foreign Policy at the Centre for European Reform. First question to start out with today, will the EU be different without the UK and why should we care? It will certainly be different. A lot of the debate in the UK has focused on how Britain would change, uh, but an EU of 27 uh, would see a shift in the centre of gravity on some important issues. And the reason that this would still matter to the UK is that we will still be exactly the same distance away from the rest of Europe that we are now. And our history has shown us that crises and conflicts in Europe, or indeed good times in Europe, have an effect on the UK. So it will still matter to us, regardless of whether we are inside or outside the EU. There's some consensus in Brussels that the UK has used its veto to stop other members of the EU moving ahead in the past, that has slowed down EU integration in some policy fields. In your opinion, would these member states now take advantage of the UK's departure to build a European superstate? There are certainly some countries and some individuals who would like to see integration in particular areas go further. But at the moment, I don't see the momentum for this famous European superstate uh, with which the Eurosceptics in the UK have tried to frighten people for a long time. And the fact is that if you look at economic policy, there are big differences between France and Germany which stand in the, in the way of further integration of the Eurozone. If you look at defence, there are a number of European countries which are as keen as the UK has been to see their defence concentrated on NATO and not on an EU defence policy. If you look at justice and home affairs, countries have found it quite difficult to get together on some of the issues of counter-terrorism, where in fact the UK has taken the lead in the past. Thank you very much. Um, let's turn to foreign policy then and the EU's track record in this field. How would you evaluate the UK's influence on EU foreign policy in the past? And what do you think, what sort of foreign policy would the EU have if the UK was no longer in the room? Well, what's interesting is that however bad the rhetoric has been in this country about the, the EU and what a bad thing it is for the UK, the fact is that successive British governments have seen the EU as a force multiplier for the UK in pursuing its foreign policy goals. And in fact, the, the UK has been one of the small number of very active countries in EU foreign policy formation. So I think that the problem for the, for the UK, in a sense, looking from the outside at the EU would be that it would, would be quite frustrated by how passive EU foreign policy might become without a country like the UK pushing it along. Essentially, without the UK, only France uh, has a truly global foreign policy approach. And so in the areas that were of great interest to France, I'm sure that we would continue to see quite a high level of, of EU activity. So that might apply, for example, to uh, North Africa, to the Sahel, 
uh, to those areas where the French, in fact, already have military forces deployed and where there are, in some cases, EU military operations going on. But some areas which have been high priorities for the UK, say promoting democratic change in Burma or trying to do something about the awful political situation in Zimbabwe or working on a transition in Somalia, trying to strengthen the transitional federal government in Somalia, those sorts of issues might be a lower priority for many other EU countries. Here in the UK, Prime Minister David Cameron has made the negative impact of Brexit on Britain's national security one of the big issues in his campaign to stay in the EU. But on the other hand, campaigners for Brexit claim that if Britain does not leave the EU, it will be more exposed to terrorism and other threats. Both sides have been accused of fear-mongering. In your opinion, Ian, whose scare tactics are more justified? Well, both sides have rightly been accused of fear-mongering because both sides have made claims that really can't be justified by reference to the facts. If you look at the, uh, the Prime Minister, or at any rate members of his government, who have suggested that uh, we would have more migrants crowding through the Channel Tunnel if we were outside the EU, it seems to me that it is no more in France's interest to allow that to happen after the UK uh, leaves the EU than it, than it is now. And the reason that I say that is that the French have no interest in Calais becoming more of a draw for migrants from North Africa or the Middle East or wherever they're coming from. Uh, so it would be very counterproductive for them to say effectively to migrants, if you can get to Calais, we won't stop you getting through the English Channel because there would be many, many more of them turning up in Calais. Uh, and of course, the British would be standing at the other end, intercepting them and presumably sending them back. So I don't think that that is a, a realistic threat. On the other hand, I do think that uh, those on the Brexit side who say that uh, we would be more at risk of terrorism if we remain in the EU are simply wrong. And I say that for several reasons. First of all, we would remain outside the Schengen area, the passport-free travel area in the rest of Europe. So we would still be checking everyone who gets to our borders. The question is whether our checks would be as effective. And one of the great advantages that we gain from being members of the EU is to take part in law enforcement cooperation to have access to databases. One of the most important databases of DNA and other information of that sort will only become accessible to us in 2017 because of what in my view was a mistake by the British government in not opting into that at an earlier stage. But at least from 2017 we will be able to check the DNA of people that we that are coming into the UK that we suspect of uh, being either uh, criminals or terrorists or having some other reason to be suspicious of them. We would lose that sort of access if we were outside the EU. Now we can negotiate the, the sort of arrangements that Norway for example has with Europol, the body for coordinating police activity across Europe. Uh, but that, that means that you get a certain level of access, but you don't get any say in setting the priorities.
And what the UK has been very good at in the past is actually leading the work of the EU on law enforcement. In fact, the director of Europol is a former British policeman at the moment. So we really need to, to look uh, at what we would lose if we were no longer part of these schemes of sharing information and cooperating between police forces and prosecutors and so on. Okay, final question. We have touched upon foreign policy and national security so far. Could Brexit have even an effect on domestic politics in other member states? What do you think? I, I think it will do. We've already seen that uh, Marine Le Pen, the head of the French Front National, the, the extreme right or uh, populist right-wing party in France, has said that Brexit would be like the Berlin Wall coming down in 1989. Well, in terms of its historical significance, uh, that is possible. But I don't think that it would have the positive impact that the fall of the Berlin Wall had. Uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall ushered in a period of peace and prosperity and increasing cooperation across Europe. If the UK does indeed vote to leave the EU, then what I fear is that we will see more fragmentation, more competition between the nations of Europe and a reversion to a much darker period of history where countries are all out for themselves and not looking at how they can best cooperate in the interests of the continent as a whole. And I do think that the, there will be an influence on the domestic politics of a number of other European countries. It's no coincidence that Nigel Farage, the leader of the UK Independence Party, turned up in the Netherlands to campaign against Dutch ratification of the Ukraine Association Agreement. That's not because he is particularly anti-Ukrainian as far as I know, but it is because he sees that as chipping away at the EU, chipping away at the agreements that the countries of the EU have reached, at the influence of the EU in its neighbourhood. I, I can't view that as being a good thing. And I would hate to see Brexit giving a great impetus to those in Europe who would like to take apart the progress that has been made over the last 60 years. Thank you very much, Ian. And next week we will be joined by Agata Gustinska to discuss the consequences of Brexit on EU institutions. And just to remind our listeners, the policy brief, The EU Without Britain, Unleashed or Undone, is available on the CER website at cer.org.uk. That's all for this episode. Thank you and goodbye.